Open your Bibles with me to 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 3. 1 Peter chapter 3. Now, tonight is our fall kickoff. And if you have not experienced fall kickoff yet, it is an absolute blast. So you need to come in a football jersey and ready to eat football food. How many of you like football food? Yes, yes. Those of you who weren't, we have counseling for you. It didn't raise your hands. We have counseling for you after the service. It's a blast. So we're going to meet in the fellowship hall up here, 5 o'clock tonight, all kinds of food. Now, normally for the, the kids, we have a different program, but that was because we didn't have room for them. Now all the kids will be a part of uh, the fall kickoff. So you kids can be in there, get the football food, come in here, watch the videos with us, and we will have a nursery. So for the two years old and younger, three years and up, we'll be in the uh, fellowship hall for the kickoff. I hope you'll be here tonight for that. All kinds of fun videos, great food, but then we're going to be talking about what we have planned for the fall here at Grace Baptist. This morning, what we want to do is we're going to look at this text and we want to see the heartbeat of why we exist as a church. What is the purpose of Grace Baptist Church? Those of us who call ourselves Christians, why do we exist and how do we become Christians? It's not by joining a church. It's not by behaving in a certain way. Let's look at this text and see what it says. Look with me, 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 18. 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 18. The Apostle Peter, writing here, says, For Christ also hath once suffered for sins. Now, did Jesus Christ suffer for his own sins? That's interesting, isn't it? And how many times... Did Jesus need to suffer? So notice what it says. Look at, look at the text. For Christ also hath once suffered for sins. How many times did Jesus need to suffer? It was good enough, wasn't it? His sacrifice was accepted. He tasted death one time, the Bible says, for every man. So look at the text again. For Christ also hath once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit. Lord, help us as we try to understand this verse this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So the first part of the gospel message and the heartbeat of Christianity is that Jesus Christ is God. I was, um, there was a restaurant connected to the hotel where I was staying in Tulsa. And I went in there early one morning, I think it was Sunday morning, and was eating breakfast. And this place had the best coffee of any restaurant I'd ever been to. So we're moving the church to Tulsa so that I can have that coffee every Sunday morning. But uh, so I was there and there wasn't anybody else there. It was just my waiter and me. And so he sat down, he started asking me what I was doing. I had my Bible open and my notes and all that getting ready to preach. And so he started asking me about the Bible, about the Word of God and what I believe. And it was interesting. He said this. He says, well, I believe in Jesus, but that he, he, he didn't claim to be God. He was, he was here to serve. And I said, that's interesting. He was here to serve, but he was God. 
Keep your place here in 1 Peter chapter 3 and go with me to 1 Timothy chapter 1. All right, 1 Timothy. Oh, I said chapter 1, I meant chapter 3. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 3. And verse 16. We are going to 1 Timothy 1, just not yet. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16. And without controversy. Is there anything in this world that's without controversy? Tonight. One day during kickoff, I'm walking down the hall. I'm ready for kickoff. I'm going to have fun. I've got my Bears jersey on. And Becca New is walking down the hall. And she looks at me and she said... Somebody threw up on your shirt. And I just felt the love coming out of her at that moment. So tonight, there'll be some Ohio State jerseys. Maybe some Michigan jerseys. See, there's nothing we can do without controversy. You know, my dad started a church in Connecticut, and I'll never forget this. There was a big fight in the church because some people wanted rectangular tables in the Fellowship Hall, and some people wanted round tables. Isn't that funny? People got mad about that. How many of you really don't care about the shape of the tables? You honestly don't care. And yet, there's almost nothing we can do in this world without controversy. And yet, there's something in the Christian world that is without controversy. And it says it right here, verse 16. And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. Now look at what it says. What's that next word? What is it? God was manifest in the flesh. So manifest means made plain. Everybody could see him. Who was manifest in the flesh? And so I talked with this young man about this. I asked him a question. Why did the Pharisees want to kill Jesus? He said, well, I'm not sure. Because he claimed to be God. Whenever Jesus said, I and my Father are one, that was claiming equality with God the Father. And if you look through your Bible, every time he said it, they wanted to kill him. Every time he said it, they wanted to kill him. So the foundation of Christianity... Really, the first step is that God exists, right? God is, and that's the the foundation of theism. Anyone who believes in God believes that God exists. That's what makes you a theist. That's their foundation. But the second is that Jesus Christ is God. Jesus Christ is God. And what did he come to do? So this is where we're going to go to 1 Timothy chapter 1 and look at verse 15. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. This is a saying that has to be accepted. It's worthy to be accepted that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. And notice he doesn't say, and Jesus Christ came to save sinners of whom Kevin is chief. No. See, it's fun. I said, we finally got Kevin on the front row and now I'm messing with him. So he's going to be back right back there in his spot next week. (laughs) 
It's interesting. Notice how Paul wrote that. Paul communicating the truth of who Jesus Christ came to save. And he said, look, he didn't come to save you. He came to save us. Because none of us are excluded from this. The Bible says it this way. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We have all sinned and come short of the glory of God. All of us, everyone in this room, we are all sinners. But the good news is Jesus Christ doesn't want to leave us that way. He came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. And I can say that because I know me. I am, not I was a sinner, I am a sinner. And I'm so thankful that Jesus Christ came to save me from the sins of my past, the sins that I commit now, and eventually he's going to save us from the very presence of sin. Isn't that wonderful? So look at, look at the verse again, 1 Timothy 1.15. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. Go back with me to 1 Peter. So remember, the foundational principle of Christianity is that Jesus Christ is God. And then look at verse 18 again, 1 Peter 3 and verse 18. For Christ also hath once suffered for sins. Now, I asked this a minute ago, but I want to make this point. How many times did Jesus Christ have to die? Once. So when you all say that, you hear about confession, what confession is in the Bible. This is what confession is. If we confess with our mouth, the Lord Jesus, and believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. That's what the Bible says. Not might be, shall be. So Jesus Christ, man, aren't you thankful that that sacrifice, that one sacrifice, that one sacrifice was good for all time, for all people? Do you know why that's good? Because if Jesus Christ had to suffer more than once, Maybe I wasn't in the group that he died for that time. But when it says he died once for all, what does all mean? All means all, and that's all that all means. When the Bible says that he tasted death for every man, he died once for all. That means that he covered the sins of those in the past? No, washed them away. Right? We know what covering is. My mom would tell me to go up and clean my room. And I tried all kinds of ways to get out of it. I'd throw my bedspread, put a bunch of stuff on my bed and throw it over it. Sam's shaking his head. He tried that one. I can see that. Did did your mom fall for it? No, no, she didn't fall for it. It, it, Then did you try this one? Shove it all under the bed? Did you try? Yeah. Did it work? Uh, No, no, it didn't work. See, here's the problem with covering something up. It's still there. It's still there. Tim Hawkins, I watched this Tim Hawkins video. He talked about buying this uh, shirt for working out, but he didn't try it on. He got home and tried it on, and it's made for people that work out. And he said it looked like there were chipmunks fighting underneath (laughs) the shirt when he put it on. (laughs) You can't cover that. (laughs) You know what I mean? It's interesting. When we try to cover our sin, it's still there. Remember Adam and Eve? What did they do in the garden? They had sinned and they saw that they were naked, so they tried to cover themselves with fig leaves. 
And just, you can't cover your sin. When Jesus Christ died on the cross, he washed it away. My sins are gone. They're gone. That's wonderful. Here's the amazing thing. Look at the text. For Christ also hath once suffered for sins. Notice what it says. The just for the unjust. The just for the unjust. So let's, let's do a little, see if we know what's going on here. Who's the, who's the just? Okay, I think some of us might not know. Here, let's, let's read the verse. For Christ also hath once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust. So who's, who's the just? Jesus. Who's the unjust? Us, me. That's us. And what's interesting is you have to find yourself in this verse to understand it. I'm not God. And the people said, how many of you are thankful I'm not God? You need to be because some of you be gone. <laughs> You're gone. <laughs> I'm so thankful that God is better than me. Holy cow. And when you look at the text, it says that Christ has suffered once the just for the unjust. When Jesus Christ died on the cross, what did he die for? Look at what it says. For Christ also hath once suffered for sins. What, why was he suffering? To pay for sins. Whose sins? The sins of the unjust. Now, in our day, we hear a lot about social justice, right? How many of you have heard, of, heard that recently? Social justice. There's not really any such thing as social justice. There's only justice. And you don't want it because I am unjust. If I received my just reward, I would be in hell right now. I don't want justice. I want mercy. I want grace. Remember, grace is a gift. That's what the word means. It's a gift. You can't earn a gift. If you're earning it, it's not a gift. It's a wage. If it's a gift, then you receive it, right? The just for the unjust. I don't want what I deserve. I want that grace, that gift. Then the word mercy, mercy is not getting what you deserve, right? Grace is getting something that you don't deserve. Mercy is not getting what you do deserve. So you see the lights behind your car? And you pull over. What are you wanting right there? Justice or mercy? Mercy. Mercy. The story is the police officer pulls a guy over. And he said, what did you pull me over for, officer? He said, well, you didn't come to a complete stop. He said, well, I slowed down. What's the difference? And he pulled out his nightstick and started beating the guy on the head. And he said, now, do you want me to slow down or stop? <laughs> There's a difference. Amen. There is a difference. It's interesting. When it's time for us to pay the price, we want mercy. When it's time for someone else to pay the price, we want justice. Do you know what Jesus Christ did? Jesus is just. He is completely sinless. And he said, all of you deserve justice, but I am going to give you mercy 
but the debt still has to be paid. So what Jesus said was, I'm going to come and pay your penalty for you so that you don't have to pay it. Can you imagine? So, I, you know, the lights are on. I don't get mercy. I get justice, and I've got a ticket, and that ticket is $150. And Jeffrey says, Pastor Jim, you've been so good to me. Let me pay your penalty. And he goes and pays that $150 for me. That would be awesome. You are such a good guy, Jeffrey. And then I go up and pay it also. How many of you think that would be really dumb? Seriously, would that be dumb? But that's what people think they have to do. They believe in God. They believe in Jesus Christ. They believe in his death, burial, and resurrection. But they also think that they have to go to church every week. They have to take communion. We're going to baptize in a few minutes. They think they have to be baptized. They think they have to do all of these things. And many of those, how many of you think it's good to go to church? Yeah, the Bible tells us to. Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. We are supposed to come to church. But you don't go to church so you can go to heaven. Right? How many of you are thankful that this is not heaven? Right? You don't go to church so that you can go to heaven. You go to church so that you learn the word of God, you fellowship with other people, you grow in the Lord, you have the opportunity to tell other people about Christ. The, the church is very important, but the church never takes anybody to heaven. Water doesn't take anybody to heaven. The Apostle Paul said it this way. Let's look at it. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Keep 1 Peter because we're going to come back here. But 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Now, how many of you think that the Apostle Paul knew what the gospel was? Because he's the one that God used to write it. 1 Corinthians 15, he writes what the gospel is, that, that Christ died for our sins and that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. That's the gospel. Now, look at 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 17. For Christ sent me, what's that next word? Not to baptize, but to preach the gospel. Not to baptize, but to preach the gospel. Now, he did baptize. But the point that he's making right here is that baptism is not the gospel. When the thief was on the cross with Jesus... And he said, Lord, remember me when you enter into your kingdom. What did Jesus say? Well, you better get down and get baptized. Is that what Jesus said to the thief on the cross? What did he say? He said, this day you'll be with me in paradise. This day. He didn't have to get baptized. So when the Bible says that Christ suffered once for sins, the just for the unjust, it's very clear in that text that there's nothing else that you have to do. Jesus Christ paid the penalty. Jesus doesn't need anything from me. Imagine if we said, you've got to give money. We took an offering a little while ago. Imagine if we said, hey, listen, Caleb, you don't put some money in that plate. You're going straight to hell. Do not pass go. Do not collect $200. There are people that think you've got to give money to go to heaven. No, no. What, how much of your money does God need? No. What are you going to offer God? Nothing. The just for the unjust. He, you can't become just by going to church. You can't become just by giving money. You can't become just by getting baptized. The only way to become just is just to trust in Jesus. That's it. That's it. Now, let's go back to 1 Peter 
1 Peter chapter 3, verse 18. For Christ also hath once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust. Look at this. That we might bring ourselves to God. Is that what it says? What's it say? That he might bring us to God. See, here's the fun thing. I come to Jesus Christ and I say, Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. And I know that I cannot save myself. I believe that you are God, that you died on the cross, that you rose from the dead, and that you paid for my sin. Please be my Savior. I accept that free gift of eternal life that you're offering. Now, let's say that I do that. Am I saved right then? Man, it sounds like the church doesn't know. Am I saved right then? Yes. So then why would I think that God needs help taking me to heaven? That's interesting, isn't it? Do you remember when your kids were little and you're moving furniture? You know, because your wife doesn't like the way it's arranged and she moves it about every two weeks. You know what I'm talking about? You get up in the middle of the night and you break your leg. So you're moving the furniture and your little three-year-old wants to help. How many of you that ever happened? Right? Now, here's what you end up doing. You're carrying the table and the three-year-old. But they're helping. Oh, you're such a good helper. Do you know when we think that we need to help God to take us to heaven, I think that God's a loving father. And I think he does that. Oh, you're such a good helper. (laughs) While he's carrying you. Now, are we supposed to go to church? Are we supposed to give? Are we supposed to love people and be kind and forgive people? Are we supposed to do all of those things? But do any of those things take us to heaven? No, they can't. Here, let's, let's look at it this way. Look at Ephesians chapter 2. That he might bring us to God. Look at Ephesians chapter 2. Here's a word we've been talking about. Look at verse 8. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 8. For by works are ye saved. What's it say? Grace. Okay, who's going to help me? Let's see. Jason, come on up here. How many of you know what I'm going to do right now? Okay. So Matt Holesclaw tried to get this pen earlier today, but I don't trust Matt. So I, I I trust Jason right here. So I collect nice pens. It's really stupid. I know they're too expensive, but I love, Laura bought me this one for our anniversary. So this is a nice pen. It's a Visconti Van Gogh. Have you all ever seen Van Gogh with glasses on? It looks like this. Right here. I just... <laughs> Let's say I want to make this pen a gift to you. It's a gift. What do you have to do to make it yours? Just take it. Now, in order to keep that pen, you've got to wash my car every week for the next 10 years. Why'd you give it back? Because it's not a gift. Thanks, Jason. See, how old are you? 12 years old. 12 years old, he understands the difference between a gift and work. If you have to work for it, it's not a gift. If you have to work for it, it's not a gift. Grace is a gift. So look at the verse. Ephesians 2, look at verse 8. For by grace are ye saved. Now that word ye 
starts with a Y. Sometimes the yees and the yous and the these and the thous, they might get confusing. The these and the thous, the words that start with a T, that's singular. So if I said thee, I'm talking to Jeffrey alone. All right? If I say ye, I'm talking to all of you. And so that's what this is saying right here. For by grace are ye saved, all of you. For by grace are ye saved. Now remember, right now, you're either saved or you're not saved. Salvation takes place at a point in time. It's not a process. You were lost, now you're saved. Okay? You're on your way to hell, not on your way to heaven. Praise God, I get to go to heaven. Not because I'm any good, but because the just died for the unjust. The chief of sinners. All right? So look at what it says. For by grace are ye saved through faith. What is faith? What is faith? It's believing in what you can't see. It's an act of the will. Based on the promises of God, based on the word of God, you have faith in what God said. All right? For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Salvation is a gift. Grace is a gift. Now, remember, we've been doing this whole thing about if it's a gift, then it's not, you can't work for it. Let's see if the Bible says anything like that. Look at the next verse. Not of works, lest any man should boast. Not of works. So the Bible is very clear. You cannot get saved by your works. It's either faith or works. It's not both. Now, James follows that up. And he says, you show me your faith without your works. I'm going to show you my faith by my works. What's that talking about? Well, there's a difference between saying you believe something and then not living it out. You may still believe that, just people won't know it. Or you say you believe something and then you actually live it so people know that you believe what you say. But that living it has absolutely nothing to do with whether or not you are. Amen? How many of you have ever been in a situation where you heard someone say something bad about America and you didn't speak up? Honestly, how many of you have ever been in a situation like that? Well, are you still proud to be an American? Yeah. Yeah. You see, there, there's one thing about believing it, and there's another thing, living it out, acting it out. Now, should we act out our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ? Should we? Yes. The Bible says you say you believe in him, then walk even as he walked. But that walk doesn't take you to heaven. Only Jesus can take you to heaven. Go back to 1 Peter chapter 3. Look at verse 18 again. For Christ also hath once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit. That word quickened means made alive. See, the good news is that when Jesus Christ died on the cross, he did not stay dead. He rose from the dead. What did that prove? That he was, is, and always will be God. Not only that, but it proved that his sacrifice for us was accepted. See, if I die because of my sin, and if I'm not saved, I will. For the wages of sin is death, the Bible says. It's Romans 6.23. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. It's just wonderful that salvation is a gift. 
But that gift is based on the death, burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. If Jesus didn't rise from the dead, then my payment has not been made. Did you all hear what I said? If Jesus did not rise from the dead, then my payment has not been, the payment for my account has not been accepted. But he did rise from the dead. He rose again. He was seen by more than 500 witnesses to have risen from the dead. He's alive. And the Bible said he's seated at the right hand of God right now, making intercession for his saints. The Bible says this. For, let's look at it. Hebrews chapter 4. If you're a guest with us, um, the reason that we turn in the Bible so much is because I, as pastor, I don't have any authority. I don't have any wisdom of my own. The only power or wisdom that we have is from God's Word. And so when I say something, I'd like you to actually see it in the words of God. So look at verse 15, Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 15. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. So Jesus Christ, when he was walking the earth, he experienced all the same temptations that we experience. He knows what it's like. When you go to him and you ask him for help, when you're under temptation and you, you go to Jesus, he, he knows exactly what you're going through. Have you ever talked to somebody that had been through a situation just like you? It's different than talking to somebody who's never experienced it. So our high priest, Jesus, he knows exactly how we feel at that moment. But the difference between Jesus and me is that he's without sin. You see, it says that right in the verse, right? Look at, look at the end of verse 15 again, yet without sin. Verse 16, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain justice. What do we obtain? Praise God for that and find grace to help in time of need. Isn't that wonderful? So we can go directly to the throne of grace. We can pray to Jesus Christ, the righteous. He can intercede for us with the Father. That's just such a wonderful thing. Why? Why do we have that access? Go back to 1 Peter chapter 3. For Christ also hath once suffered for sins. Whose sins? Mine. The just, who's that? That's Jesus. For the unjust, who's that? That's me. That he might bring us to God. Who are those that he's bringing to God? Those that he has made righteous. That's wonderful, isn't it? He's made me clean. I can't clean myself. He's made me clean. For Christ also hath once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened, made alive. By the Spirit. I mean, if you're here today, you might be religious. You might be religious. Can I show you something on that? We'll be done. Look at Acts chapter 6. I'll show you something interesting. You know, it's possible to be religious and lost, religious and not saved. Acts chapter 6. All right, look at what it says in verse 7. 
So what's happened is the ministry has gotten too heavy for the pastors, for the apostles, for the leaders. And some of the widows, they, they weren't being served the way that they needed to be. So the apostles asked for, their, for the people to choose some deacons whom they could appoint over these problems, and those, those deacons would take care of it. And the saying pleased the whole people. So look at what it says, what happened. They start doing ministry the right way. Verse 7, And the word of God increased, and the number of the disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly. Now look at this. And a great company of the priests were obedient to the faith. Priests got saved. See, it's possible to be religious and lost. Religious and lost. Those priests had been serving people. Those priests had been ministering the word of God. But they had not believed that Jesus Christ was their only salvation. You're here today, you might be religious. But you're lost. Because you think that you need to help Jesus take you to heaven. You've believed in the death, burial, and resurrection. You would die for it. You know for sure that Jesus Christ died on the cross and rose from the dead. But you think that's not enough. But the Bible says the just for the unjust. It says it this way in Titus 3, 5. Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but by his mercy, he saved us. See, we don't want justice. We want mercy and grace. But you can't work for grace. Grace is a gift. You're here today. And you're religious, but you think that Jesus needs your help to save you? You're not saved. Do you know what salvation is? It's the acknowledgement of complete helplessness. God, I have nothing that you need. I have nothing that you need. But you want me to be your child. So you paid my price. On the cross... God treated Jesus the way I deserve to be treated so that God could treat me the way Jesus deserves to be treated. You can't earn that. You can't work for it. You can only receive it as a gift. I hope you've received that gift. If you haven't, today could be the day. All you have to do is say, Jesus, I believe you. I believe that you rose from the dead, that you're God. And I believe that I'm a sinner who deserves judgment. Give me mercy. I accept your free gift of eternal life. And here's what we say. Ah, that's too easy. How hard is it to accept a gift? That's why the Bible uses that word. It's a gift. I hope you'll receive that gift today if you haven't. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for your precious gift of salvation. Lord, you are just. You are perfect. You are holy. You are righteous.